Hi, welcome to Diving Into Deep Waters. I am your host, Erin Rowling, and I will tell you right now about I had a freak out moment as I started to record today because the microphone wasn't working and I don't know how to fix things. So when in doubt, turn it all off, turn it all back on. And guess what? Here we are. Yay. <laughs> but I definitely had to like a pit my stomach like, no, what do I do? I'd have to call my son-in-law, Frank. He'd be able to fix it. But um, yeah, so here we are. I am tired. I Yeah, I'm tired. It's been a full week. Um, our kids came home for the fourth, which was great. Always love having my kids. I We stayed up late playing cards. I think that's the only time I stay up late is when my kids come home. And we were laughing so hard, like just over the silliest things and just having so much fun. And I don't know, there's just something really, really special about it as your kids get older and there's like this relationship where you can just have fun. Like I can honestly say I enjoy hanging out with my kids more than anybody else on the planet. They are my favorite humans to be with until they're not. (laughs) Until they start fighting. Then I'm like, "Mm, not my favorite people. But in general, they are literally my most favorite people to be with. And for those of you who can't imagine that with your kids right now, it's coming. It's coming, I promise. Um, We also, uh, this last weekend, had an outdoor service. I don't know if your church does those, but if they do, you know, it is great to be outside. I don't know. There's something about singing and worshiping the Lord with the blue sky and trees and birds chirping. And I know it's a lot harder. Um, It's a lot of work to do an outdoor service for Anyone who is a part of the team that does that, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, my least favorite part is printing the words for people to sing to. My husband's always like, they, they'll, they'll be fine. And I'm like, no, <laughs> people don't know the words to songs. That's that's a disaster. So I don't know why I'm, I'm starting to get better at it, the copy and pasting thing. It's not my thing, people, but I do do it. Uh, trying to make sure people have words. But yeah, if your church doesn't do outdoor service, encourage them to do it because it's just, I don't know, you get a chance to have a different environment. And um, another thing I'm excited that's coming is our community um, Sunday service. So that's where we go out in the community and we do different jobs for people and just try to serve our community. So that's coming in the fall. We were just planning that the other day at staff meeting. So I'm super excited about that because I just feel like it's getting out of our four walls. Um, The things, you know, kind of get into this ritual of Sundays. And so it just kind of breaks all that. And I don't know. Make sure you're part of your community and shows them the love of Christ. So um, we had that. We are in the midst of doing worship at camp. Woohoo! Um, it's this last year we did uh, softball and baseball camp, and this year we're doing junior, senior high camp. So it's different kids. So obviously, walking into it, you know, I felt unsure. Like, how are they going to respond and all that stuff? And the first night. They were a little shy. You could tell they were getting to know us. I mean, they, it wasn't like they were like 
duds or anything. But um, but the second night, they got into it, and um, it was really cool to see. I don't know. I, I feel like camp kids just have so much energy, and they're just excited to be there. They're excited to worship. They're, I don't know, they're on another level, <laughs> these kids. And, um, you know, it's funny because when they jump up and down, the stage kind of like jumps up and down too, which makes it a little challenging to play the keyboard and sing, but I love it. I love the the energy and there's they must burn so many calories because it's so hot in there. There's not air conditioning, so it's quite warm in there. Um, I saw some red faces. I was like, maybe you should get water. <laughs> and so like after you lead worship like that, then it's like, we were talking, me and the team were talking about Sunday. We're like, man, Sunday's going to be like kind of a letdown <laughs> after just the energy that they bring to everything. It's just, just amazing. But one thing that happened the other night, um, I don't know, it got me a little worked up, you guys. Um, so, you know, the kids are jumping up and down. They're singing at the top of their lungs. They're worshiping. And, you know, you just feel God's presence and everything. And I look up and I see this group of adults sitting in the back, just sitting, you know. Maybe they were singing with their mouths, I couldn't really tell, but just not engaged and and certainly not engaged with the kids. And, um, you know, not it didn't feel like they were participating. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit inside of me or if it was just Aaron. It was probably Aaron. I don't know. But I I got worked up in my spirit, you guys. Because <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Why are these people sitting? Like the energy in this room is electric. Like the presence of God is like here. You can see God touching these young people's lives. All of this. And like we're a part of this moment. And there you are sitting on your butt. And... <sighs> um. I, I opened my mouth. I did it. I, I just couldn't take it. And so I was like, I have to say something. And so, um, I did because I just, here's the reason why I felt like if you're sitting and not engaging, like you're a leader and this is your opportunity to be a leader and you're not leading. And so I, I kind of called them out, you guys. I did. I just came out. I opened my mouth and words came out. (laughs) It was just like, I was like, hey, you adults in the back, you could stand up and you could come up here and you could participate with these kids because you guys are the leaders. And right now these kids are leading instead. And they did. They got up. They got in the mix. And But I was just like frustrated. Like, why do I have to call you out? Because you know, kids watch us adults. They're they're gonna follow our lead. And right now you're you're not giving them something to follow. And not only that, but I feel like, you know, when you're at camp or you're with youth in general and you're telling them like, hey, you need to worship and hey, you need to do this and hey, Jesus is great and all this stuff, and yet you're not living it out. My husband says something that I just think is so good. He's like, he'll say, things are better caught than taught. I'm sure it wasn't original, but it's just a great um, saying because it's so true. Like they're going to catch, if you're worshiping, they're going to, that's going to inspire them. But if you 
are just sitting there, that's not going to really back up your words to them. And also as leaders, and especially I feel like in these situations where kids' hearts are being softened and kids are, you know, maybe going through, um, you know, something mentally, you know, or emotionally at that moment. And there's not a leader there to kind of just, you know, I saw kids crying all over the place. And it's like, okay, the leaders should be in the mix to put your arm around them, to pray with them, to to be there to lead and guide them through this sensitive moment. And you cannot do that if you are sitting in the back of a room. And yeah, so that's what happened. And afterwards, I waited for a text from the um, camp director, never received one. So I was like, okay. But then last night when we went back, I was like, I'm probably, he's probably going to say something to me. And he looked like he had a lot of situations going on. Um, so he never said anything. And so I guess we'll have to wait and see if we get invited back next year to know. <laughs> I said to my team, I'm like, I'm sorry. I probably just got us kicked out of this camp. <laughs> I'll probably never be asked back again. But I, I'm not sorry for saying it. So it needed to be said and it needed to be brought to light and hopefully, and actually the next night I didn't see them sitting back there. So that was great. Anyways, to move on to today's topic, now that I've got the camp stuff out of my system. So um, by the time you listen to this, we'll be done with camp, but we've got two nights left and I might need a little nap before that. <laughs> but anyways, so my friend started a company um, and she decided to start this tree business. Her name's Jennifer. And she called it um, Tree of Memories. And she had this idea that instead of sending flowers like to a viewing or to a memorial or to a funeral, um, to send like a memory tree that people could plant in memory of someone. Um, and then you'd kind of have it forever because obviously like flowers die. I know like sometimes I've given plants and I've received plants and I just kill them. So a tree is a, is a great option. <laughs> and actually we, um, she gave us one when um, Paul's mom passed away. She gave us this beautiful magnolia tree and um, we found a spot outside of our dining room because in our old house we spent a lot of time in the dining room and so... It was like right there, like front and center, always something we could look at as a memory of Paul's mom and, you know, would remind the kids of her and stuff like that. They'd be like, that's grandma's tree. And um, on a side note, I'm pretty sure I followed all of the instructions that she gave us. Maybe not, but I felt like I did. And this was a long time ago. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the tree did not make it. And... <laughs> <laughs> it was like getting to be spring and I remember her asking me like so your tree should be flowering like it should be about to flower and I was like it would probably be flowering if it were alive and she was like you killed it <laughs> I was like oh maybe not intentionally of course um so she was so kind and she brought us another tree but she didn't let me plant that one she planted it herself and she brought like uh, some kind of oak tree that's like, you can't, you can't kill it. So, and I didn't, but it's probably not because of anything I did. It's probably because she planted it. 
But um, <laughs> anyways, my my trend of killing killing things. But um, anyways, and I I don't know. I just think it's super cool idea because um, even pastoring a church, we've obviously had lots of people pass away over the years, and it's just a a great thing to send to people. A, a great memory for them to have as long as they don't kill it um when they've lost a loved one and um she does this whole thing where she just puts so much intention into it. it's not like she just like you know puts a tree so, you know if you're thinking that in your mind like so there's just a tree there no she like makes it look so nice and she has these beautiful cards and she will like if like um friends of ours they just did it in memory of a friend and they actually took the ashes and like put it with the tree and stuff like that. Um, and she'll like come and she does it. She plants the tree. I don't know if she plants the tree now because I killed a tree and she was like, people need help, which is probably true. Most of us are not tree people. Like she knows a lot of facts about trees that I have no idea or the soil. Her husband has a soil sample company. So she knows like the right soils, you know, like if it's this kind of soil, you need to add this soil in way above my mental capacity of trees. But um, I love how much intention she puts into it and because she just wants to make it this very special, um, you know, memorial that people can have when someone's passed on and, and they're not here anymore. So just as a little plug, she did not ask me to do this. She doesn't even know she's in this podcast. Um, look up Jennifer Swash Tree of Memories. Great, great thing to give someone in your family. Or if you just are like, hey, I want to have something for myself to mem to have a memory of someone. Anyways, so um, last week when I was reading um, in my Bible, I read this passage in Joshua 4. And before we're going to read it. I want to just get a little bit into the background of Joshua 3 because that sets the table for what's going to happen in Joshua 4. And so it's finally time for the Israelites to cross um, the Jordan into, and, and crossing the Jordan means that they finally get to enter the promised land. You know, like when the Israelites fled Egypt, um, Moses is like, hey, we're going to go to the promised land. But because they were constantly disobeying, they like just went around and around and around and around and around and around, and around for years. And, um, but now this is the moment. Like the, God's given them the okay. Like now they can cross the Jordan. Moses is, doesn't get to lead them um, into the promised land because he disobeyed. And God, in the Old Testament, does not mess around with disobedience. Let me tell you, reading through things, I just read one where someone like took some things from a raid and when they were supposed to be destroying all these other tribes and like they took it, they buried it, and then like they all died because God was like, hey, I told you not to do that. So he doesn't mess around. And he didn't mess around with Moses either, even though Moses was like the leader. He still disobeyed and God was like, okay, now you can't enter into the promised land. So that must have been a bummer. But we have Joshua now, who is the new leader since Moses has passed away. And that's his job is to lead them. And they finally get to experience what they have been waiting for. And in this moment, I don't know, I love when I'm reading the Bible and I just feel like God's really showing off. Like it's, 
I don't know. There's moments where you're just like, whoa, like, okay, God, you went above and beyond here. It kind of reminds me of like when you see someone, um, like I'll be watching videos and they'll like just be standing there and then all of a sudden they'll like flex and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> I feel like that's with God. Like it's like, yeah, he's God. But then it's like he flexes and it's just like, whoa, like, wow, God, you really outdid yourself here. And I feel like there's, this is one of those times where God does that, where he's like, I'm just going to blow your mind here. And uh, so the, the moment is that they get to the Jordan River and the problem is, and I, I actually kind of talked about this in a different sense when I first started my podcast, but at this point, the Jordan is at the flood stage, which I don't know, I'm sure you've seen a creek or, or some kind of river at a flood stage. I remember we went whitewater rafting and um, it was a flood stage and it was really scary because it was just so much more intense. It's just a different animal when it's at the flood stage. It's not calm. It's not peaceful. And that's what the Israelites are up against. They're basically like, get to the Jordan and it's not passable. Like there's no way that they're all going to be able to pass over. But this is where the Lord flexes. (laughs) And he, he tells them like, hey, have your priest um, take the Ark of the Covenant and, you know, when they get there, the water's going to cease and you're going to be able to pass. Now, I was thinking about this because these, and maybe you thought had this thought too, like the Israelites were part of the Red Sea. Like they saw like the sea. This is a river, but they saw the Red Sea part. The problem is, is that none of the descendants who were a part of the Red Sea are taking part in the crossing of the Jordan. Again, like I said, God didn't mess around with disobedience. So Moses couldn't go over and the Israelites couldn't go over because they had disobeyed. And so God was like, none of you men that disobeyed are going to get to go. So like your descendants will be able to go, but you can't go. Again, bummer. So (laughs) it's not like they've witnessed this um, like on this level of a a miracle, God flexing, if you will, um, moment. They've seen things, you know, like God doing certain things, but here's another big moment. And so it's their first time, their first timers to this magnitude of a miracle. And it's crazy because, you know, what God says, he backs up. And so those priests take one step with the ark and the water stops like way upstream and it just like piles up. And if you read that account, it just says that the water piles up, which must have been a crazy sight to just see like water like tumbling over itself, but not coming down. And so this enabled the people to be able to cross over. And I just want to remind you too, like this isn't a small group of people. It's not like Like our church has like 300 and something people, 350, 330, something like that. Like our church, it would take a little while to cross over. Um, But this is like uh, more than a mega church would be to cross over. Because it was, I looked it up, it would have been around uh, 40,000 fighting men. So that doesn't include women, children, non-fighting men 
priests. They weren't included in any of that because they didn't. They never fought. The priests never did. So I mean, that's a lot of people to get through a river. <laughs> I wonder, like, if you when you're crossing it, if you're like, is it gonna is it gonna come down? Like, I I don't know. Like, will I be able to cross before it comes back? To, I don't know. They're human. I can only imagine the thoughts that they had. And again, like I said. This is their first rodeo. This is the first time that they're seeing this happen. They didn't get to see it before. So, um, yeah, so it took some time. Um, but how exciting they mu- it must have been um, to, to be able to finally enter into what they probably had heard about their entire life was like, one day we're going to get to go to the promised land. One day we're going to get to pass you know, cross over into it. And here's the day. It's kind of like, you know, something super exciting. And then the day finally comes and you're like, oh my goodness, it's finally here. Well, that's what's happening for them. So they finally get across, right? They finally get over there. And do they cross and just move on? It's like, okay, we crossed. We saw this thing. Um, well, let's find out. We're going to read. So in Joshua chapter 4, Uh, it says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had pointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So here we have them taking, they're not just going to cross over and be like, oh, that was nice. Nope, they've got it. God's like, okay, stop, not stop, drop and roll, like stop. Let's, let's think about this here for a second. So he has 12 um, men representing the 12 tribes take 12 stones and make a memorial with them. Why is it so important to construct a structure with stones? Like, why have a memorial? Like, a, and, and a memorial actually means a structure established to remind people of a person or event. And here's why. Because it was important to God for them to have something to serve as a sign for them and for their children of what God did at the Jordan. Uh, Kara and I were actually talking about this passage um, at staff meeting because she was like, where are you reading? And I'm like, I'm in Joshua. And she's like, oh, I'm in Joshua too. And we just kind of read the same um, chapter. And she brought out something that I thought was really interesting. And I think is is a place that I want to kind of land for a little bit. And what stuck out to her is where it says, when your children ask you, Like, just take that in for a second. When your children ask you, because right here it's telling us that it's important for our children to ask us. And in order for our children to ask us, I think that we need to make sure that they feel 
like they can ask us questions. I'm pretty sure most of us have heard this statement. If you are my age or anywhere in my age, um, when asking a parent a question, what is a common response like when you were a kid? Because I said so. <laughs> because the Bible said so. Like, right? So many of us received that answer. And I don't know about you, but that answer, that wasn't like an invitation. Like my mom wasn't like saying, like, because I told told you so, or because that's what the Bible says. That's just the finality of it. Like, that was the end of the conversation. You were not going to converse anymore, or I wasn't going to personally, because that would be like, get me in trouble. I don't know about you, but I would have gotten in trouble if I kept asking questions. And I mean, to be quite honest, I've probably said it to my kids. I'm just going to be honest. I think all of us have said it at some point, because I said so, (laughs) because I say so. (laughs) And kids like, and sometimes that works, but mm, not very often. Um, But notice that Joshua doesn't say, because that's what happened. Like when your kids ask, just say, well, that because that's what happened. The Jordan happened. That's just what happened. It because there's there's more to that passage of scripture. He's like telling them, like, take the time, like sit down with your children and explain to them like what happened, like have a conversation about this event instead of like, Because that's what happened. Like, what does that do? We should be conversing with our kids. This is difficult sometimes. I must say, I have found challenging to have a conversation with my kid when my kid is maybe, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Like, if I'm talking to them and maybe they don't agree with me. Or they have a different view of the conversation, right? Um, Recently, I was having a conversation with one of my kids and I asked him a question and um, their answer wasn't exactly what I was hoping for, (laughs) I have to say. And you know, in those moments, like often, and I'm just going to be real and honest with you, often in those moments where we don't jive on a conclusion of something or Um, have the same thought process or any of those kinds of things like you know as parents we can feel like we need to assert our authority in those moments and be like well that you're wrong or well that's not what I've taught you or you know whatever which again is not really creating space for conversation number one and so when that kid had something else on their mind I found myself just like first, like I could feel myself, like, you know, you feel your heart beating faster and you kind of feel like, and then I just had to check in my spirit, like, be really careful what you say right now. And because you're going to end the conversation if you're not careful. And that's not what we should be doing as parents. We shouldn't be ending the conversation with, because I say so, because the Bible says so. We should be trying to navigate a conversation and I I didn't like back down from my stance. What I did is I took the opportunity to share my thoughts, to share what I felt like the Bible said, to share um, a story that someone had just shared with me personally about that topic. And so it didn't shut down the conversation 
Um, I'm not sure exactly where it landed, but I do know that had I responded in a way of like, well, because I said so, that we wouldn't have continued the conversation. Actually, my husband came in on the conversation. I thought, oh no, he's going to have a response. And he must have had a check in his spirit too, because he handled it so well. And we were able to talk a little bit more about it. And um, yeah, I, I just feel like we, that's an area where I'm really growing or trying to grow, <laughs> trying to go after is cultivating conversation with my kids where they can feel safe to ask me questions. Because here it's saying that they're asking the question. And here's the thing. If you go off on them, they will not ask you questions. You will never have an opportunity to have a conversation if your first response is like, what? What are you talking about? Or no, that's not like if we shut them down before they're able to even get their thoughts out, um, we have to remember number one, they're kids. And I, I know even though as an adult, like sometimes I have to process um Elizabeth and I were having a conversation the other day and she asked me a question and I said it. And then like, as we conversed, I was like, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. And that makes sense. Again, if we're like, just jump in there and we're like, no, which I am not like saying to anybody right now, like, if you do that, you're a terrible person because I've had plenty of times that I've done that with my kids. It's just an area that I've noticed that I need to work on. And I'm really trying to like pause in my spirit and just be like, okay, if I respond that way, I am not going to get anywhere in this conversation. And when Kara brought that point out, it just kind of solidified what I've been feeling of like, okay, even here, Josh was like, and when they ask, because our kids are going to ask us things about lots of different things. And we have to have the maturity of like, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation about this. Let's, let's open the channels of communication and not shut them down because we're not accomplishing anything if, if that's our approach to conversations with our kids. And um, we'll never get anywhere with them because they're never going to want to come talk to us. <laughs> So I just, that's just a question I've been asking myself. That's a question I'm going to ask you. Like, are your kids comfortable asking you stuff? And if they're not, then ask yourself, like, how am I, maybe reevaluate your conversations with your kids and think, like, how am I approaching this and how am I talking to them? And am I just, am, am I doing what Joshua is presenting here of, like, hey, when they ask, sit down. Take the time to con- converse with them. Take the time. That's why I love dinner time with our family. And I've brought this up before. Um, just because conversation is good. It's not that we all agree. It's not that we're all on the same page. But it just, it seems to be the most valuable time of just open lines of communi- communication. And where our kids can just say whatever's on their mind and us converse about it. Um. So yeah, it's just like, again, just something she brought out in this, this passage. And I was like, Ooh, that's good. So credit to Kara. <laughs> um, but I want to move on to another reason 
that God thinks it's important for us to build memorials. Um, because we're humans and we're forgetful. Especially when it comes to the things that God has done. It's like we, we get to a certain place. Um, we get through it. We've, we see how God moves on our behalf. We see what he does and how he moves mountains and he flexes in those moments. And we have these like crazy moments with God sometimes and we get through it and it's like a little bit of time goes by and then all of a sudden we're back at that spot and what happens? We're like, oh, wait, 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 what is going on? And we start to panic and I don't know why we forget. <laughs> like we just saw him move in this incredible way and now we're back around to another situation. And I mean, like the Israelites were like pros at this. I mean, they were like, constantly forgetting what God had done. And if you've read through the Old Testament at all, like, you know, if you're doing a reading or whatever, like you're going pretty quickly from account to account to account. And it's like, wait, what? Do you not see that God just did that for you? Like, what is wrong with you? And we forget that we're getting to read account to account to account, but we are no different than them. Because if someone were to read our life story and they were reading from account to account to account to be like, why are they forgetting what God has done? And so I think God in his graciousness is like, okay, I know that you're a forgetful people and you forget easily what I have done and you forget easily when I flex and show you what I am capable of doing. So that's why you need memorials because you need help. Um, so I want to skip over to verse 19 because there's, there's another part of this passage of scripture that I want to read. It says, on the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that had been taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, and the Lord your God did, uh, I lost my space, sorry, the Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done at the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Ah, this is, this is important stuff, you guys. Um, I'm not saying like you need to start going and collecting rocks to have a memorial, okay? It's not like you need to, Now, if that's your jam, then please, by all means, do it. Do, do you do you, boo. <laughs> that's what you feel like is good. Um, but, and like, I don't have rocks of memorials, but I will say that I do think that sometimes having something like physical is a better reminder. Um, I reading through Joshua with my accountability group and, um, one of the girls, Josie was telling us, which I just thought this was so cool that when her and her husband were in premarital counseling, her pastor gave them a stone and said like, here's a stone to commemorate the beginning of your marriage. 
and I hope that you like add one every year. And so her and her husband have, they've, they've added a stone every year. And she's like, every stone carries a story and a story that we can tell our children of the faithfulness of God in our marriage. And first of all, I just want to say like, I think that's a great idea. I think we should steal that, honey. If you're listening to this, we need to steal that for our premarital counseling because I think it's just so cool. Like I said, I personally have not collected rocks, but I definitely have moments that God has showed me how powerful he was. And I don't want to ever forget those things. And I also want to make sure that I tell my children and pass it down to them. I, I think it's so easy to think that the things we experience are just for us. And in this passage of scripture, it's making it very clear, like, it's not just for you. It's for your children. It's, it's something for you to pass on to the generations behind you. Don't you love those stories that people tell that are like, so my great grandma, and then they'll tell a story or yeah, my, my grandpa and tell a story. Like, that's just so awesome. And how awesome to cultivate that in our families where it's like, here is a moment where God showed us his power and his might and he flexed in this amazing way. And I got to experience it and I want to pass that experience on to you. I want you to know how great he is through this experience that I went through. And that will be something that they can tell their kids one day like, yeah, you're great grandma did this or whatever you're going to be called. Um, so yeah, so here's a question, you know, what memorials have you set up that give God the respect, the reverence and the praise that he deserves? And what are we doing, um, to show our children? That's not how I wanted to phrase that question. I'm sorry, but go back. How are we communicating with our kids those things that God has done in our lives? Because it's our responsibility. It was, I was going back over this podcast and I remembered something that just happened last week. And so I'm just going to close with this. Um, My daughter Amanda and her husband uh, recently accepted a position of being worship pastors. And so uh, I think it was last Sunday they called us after church and they were like, hey, we need some advice and you've been there, like you know how to navigate these situations. And so we talked with them and we shared what we had learned and everything. And after we got off the phone, I was I was so honored that they had called and asked us and that we were able to share with them our journey and how God had helped us navigate that same area of ministry. And and that's what it's about. That's I want more of those moments where my kids feel like they can ask us anything, number one. Number two, where they ask us about the things that have happened in our lives and where we are open to have those conversations with our children and show them like, yeah, this is what I've seen. Let me tell you about it. Because all what it will do, it will build up It'll remind us, first of all, of the goodness of God and what he's done. But it'll also help their faith to be like, okay, my parents saw this and they've gone through this. And yeah, so 
Remember the things by making a memorial so when your children ask, you can tell them what he did so that they might know that the Lord is a powerful God and that they might always fear him. Can I get an amen?